welcome down to episode number 71 of the Down South Photo Show with me, Brendan Waits, here in Ocean Grove, Victoria, Australia. And the guy in your other ear, if you're listening, or on the other screen if you're watching, it's Cam Blake in Hobart, Tasmania. Hello, Cameron. Hello, everyone, and hello, Brendan. How are you on this fabulous, what are we, Thursday? It's autumn. It is. We probably should make note of that. It's, it's The calendar has ticked over. It's the best season of the year, I reckon. It is, not just because your daughter's named that. No, it's it's a reason why she's named that, because I think it's the most prettiest time of year. It is. And it's a really nice time of year to take photos. So It's peak photography time, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, it's really hard to squeeze in all the locations you want to go yeah. um, yes. and put them into one season, because I, I wish autumn would go for like six months, like just double as long with the colour. Yes. That, that would yes. be cool. I can handle that. That would yeah. be cool. Um, thanks yeah. to everyone who subscribed, liked another milestone, ticked over. We passed 400 subs on YouTube, which was very exciting. In fact, like I said to you, Cam, we gave it windburn on the way by. We're now well past the 400 mark. So we thank did. you to everyone who has subscribed, shared us around. Uh, apparently, if you hit the like thing below this video as well, that helps us for some reason. So do that too, please. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that would be good. Yes. Uh, we, we, we flew past 400, didn't we? We did. It was like, oh, I wonder if we're going to get to 400. And then it's like, oh, we're 409. <laughs> that's right but yeah, enough so, about us let's talk yeah. some photography um, yeah let's stop crapping on about us auroras are back they are. back in vogue um it's been quite the spell i think uh three pretty good showings over the last fortnight i would have thought um yes yeah which is which is uh sort of spoiled for choice really i mean generally yeah. speaking you don't get a good run like that i would have thought i mean i, I from my basic knowledge and cam you, you've shot more auroras than i ever will but uh my basic knowledge is they don't generally come in such heavy clumps like that. Would that be right? Uh, well, we are getting into it. It actually has like phases, from what I understand. And I'm, I'm by no means, and I don't want to get people upset here in Tasmania by me trying to explain something I'm not an expert in. So, <laughs> um, so there, there is phases. So the sun turns and we turn and all that kind of stuff. And there is phases. I think it's like every twelve years or every seven to twelve years that ah, we, okay. we get we get a peak in activity and then it drops again. So yeah, but there's definitely what, no correlation with the time of year, though, is there? It, no, it no, happen. no. It can happen all all the time. So I've got some of the best shots I've got of the aurora. I, I had one about three days after Christmas once. And then I had another one dead middle of winter. And then we had one just the other day here. So time of year, I don't think makes a huge difference. Um, Some people say winter is good because you get longer night times. So you get longer dark hours to see it. Uh, Whereas in summer, by the time the sun goes down here, it's almost ready to come back up again. You know, it goes down by by 10 o'clock, it's dark. And then by, you know, 4.30, it's light again. But but we are coming into a peak period from what I understand. So the next... I think the next sort of one to three years, we're going to see a lot more activity. And if the one we shot the other night, which is the one in my background here, uh, if that's anything to go by, uh, we are in for a lot of long nights. This is good. Um, I mm. want you to explain your background to the viewers. Right, well, sorry, we- sorry, listeners, but Cam's going to try and do the old thousand words if you can't see the yeah, picture. Yeah, right. So this is a shot the other night. This was around about 1030 uh for people that know tassie this is on the road out to queenstown so this is going from hobart out to queenstown on the west coast uh the little peak that you can see right down the sort of bottom right is frenchman's cap which is a very famous walk down here uh but we stopped on the side of the road here and it was going off we had this big uh beam on the right hand side apparently it's called steve which is uh i'll look up the name of it once i can get my hands on a keyboard but steve is uh some emission that head uh, sort of flares off the side of the aurora and that was in the sky it looked like a head looked like headlights it looked like a high beam which is pretty incredible and then the left hand side of the shot is more of the aurora and the beams that you see with the color so it was an amazing shot um yeah it was just incredible it was just really really prominent aurora um and it went until around about sort of 12 o'clock the cloud sort of it came the cloud came sort of northeast over Tassie to sort of swallowed up everything to the very last corner which is where we were in the west west coast of Tassie so we we looked at the cloud and we decided to head west um mm-hmm. but well, yeah the cloud was- that you could see unfortunately extended all the way to the Victorian coastline because we uh for that night that you're showing us there we were completely clouded out here where I am there was yes now this this really sort of uh, piqued my interest. Um, I've seen photos of that aurora now from as far north as Wangaratta, yeah, um, which yeah. is getting up there. Uh, that, that and sure is. Bendigo, Horsham, 
Uh, so around the Grampians, I've seen a couple of photos with the Grampians in the foreground with an Aurora, which is pretty, pretty cool. So that, that to me says that's probably one of, if not the most intense Aurora we've had for quite some time. Yeah, uh, I, I would say out of all the auroras I've seen, um, that'd be in the top two or three, I reckon. Um, yeah. The shot I got of the tessellated pavement, yes, uh, it didn't have this thing, the little Steve thing, which is actually called a strong thermal emission velocity enhancement. S of S course it is. ST emission, S-T-E-V-E. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that it I just looks like lens flare and I'd probably replace that sky there. Yeah, well, that's yeah. Uh, this is this is all AI anyway. Yeah. That's all made up. <laughs> that's right, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was pretty big, and the 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 one I saw a few years ago, tessellated pavement, it was more beams, but yeah. this one, um, I don't know. We might be able to even even attach a little video at the end of this if you're up to it, Brent. So I did a video on my phone. This is how bright it was. Yeah. I did a video on my phone just before we left for the night, and you could see it was just pulsing. The whole sky was just pulsing. Uh, and it would have been fairly high up there. So if we got the yeah, technology, we'll put the definitely video seen some um, really impressive uh, time mm. lapse uh, that the people have shot of the of the aurora the other night. So yeah, uh, yeah. So what 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 do you think? Why are we all so excited, Cam? What what, what why do you reckon people get so excited about aurora and in particular mm. photographing it? It's uh, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? I mean, I I suppose it is a phenomenon. Well, it is um, totally yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Like I think it like. It's a bit of a tricky one to explain why people like it. I think there's a, a, a multitude of reasons why people enjoy it. One, you know, if you're not a photographer at all, if you just walked out, like the other night, if you walked out your backyard in Hobart, you would have seen the lights flickering over the house and you would have seen all the beams happening and stuff like that. So that's pretty cool. That like just in itself, that space activity is pretty cool. It's, it's the same as if we see shooting stars or eclipse and things like that. People love looking up and seeing what's going on. So I think there's a bit of romance there. But for photographers, it's just we can't get to the northern hemisphere without paying a lot of money. So this is the next best thing. It's um it's not as high in the sky, but it's not as dramatic, maybe, but uh it's still spectacular to see. So I think um the fact that we get it down here in Hobart in southern Victoria. Um, I think it makes a beautiful photograph if you can find some really interesting foregrounds and reflections maybe in lakes and stuff like that. So I think people get addicted to it uh, and no two auroras are ever the same. Yeah. Um, sometimes they're stronger, sometimes they're weaker. Sometimes you get these crazy beams. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you get picket fences that they call or sometimes you just get like ribbons of stuff. So they're always a bit different. So um, I, I chased auroras for about three or four years down here and I was up a lot. <laughs> and going to work, going to work the next day, really tired. And uh, I think people get addicted to it. Um, yeah. You know, it's just a lovely, lovely oh, thing I, to I watch. Can, I can see the absolute addiction to it. I mean, it, it's yeah. it's sort of like a photographer's dream to be able to capture an Aurora shot, particularly if you can do it close to home. I mean, that, yeah. as you say, that's that's a massive advantage where, yeah, and that's where Tassie is just, you know, it, yeah. When when you look at land masses that are as far south as Tassie, yeah, it's it's you know it's Tasmania, it's Cape, it's the southern tip of South Africa, and it's and it's yeah. the southern tip of South America. So it, it's it's which is pretty pretty amazing. There's only really three locations, and next stop is Antarctica. Yeah, where you're yeah. land based and able to get shots like that. Well, it's funny you say that because I saw some photos from uh, the other night from the Casey Station down at the Antarctic. And it didn't look anywhere near as good as what we had in Tasmania because the actual aurora was pushed up higher. It was further so what, north. Yeah. It was further north of the pole. So it wasn't actually over the pole as it would be as prominently normally. It was more, it was actually lower, lower on their horizon than it was for us. So uh, that was really interesting to see. Um, but yeah, they're, they're amazing things to see. And like you said, you know, having being in Tassie is really handy. Uh, I heard reports that they saw it as far north as Dubbo. Uh, yep. In New South Wales, and wow, and that, that's way north. That's way north. And Forbes, is it Forbes? Yep. Um, and things like that. So, yeah, um, different strengths create different um, excitement as well. So, yeah, um, yeah, I think. Uh, well, I, I guess when you look at it, it, it's that it's that alignment of conditions, right? So, first of all, yeah. you've got to actually have the, uh, and we're not going to get technical about it, but magnetic ag activity to produce your. Go on, get technical. I want to hear you and, talk. <laughs> I'm, no, because I've got no idea what I'm talking no, about. No. But <laughs> but then also you've got to have the clear skies. Yes. Um, yep. You know, good conditions to be able to go out and shoot. So yeah, uh, and be willing at some cases to shoot till three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Well, some people 
like on a, on a clear night you and this is what i was doing a few years ago you can stay out all night doing them yeah. um yeah. because you know not only does it change in the sky but you know you can go to different locations so you can say right you know a lot of people went up mount wellington the other night even though it was cloudy in hobart and they were above the cloud so you had all this cloud below them and this aurora it looked fantastic and then yeah we went out north, went out west and we had clear skies and mountains um some people go down to the coast and have like the beaches and water and stuff yeah. like that so yeah um yeah, know, that's where we're pretty lucky here because we've got um, pretty good access to to um lookouts and things that are on the coast yeah and you can sort of isolate yourself away from uh, the dreaded light pollution that you're trying to hide away yes. from when you're shooting auroras as well so um there's a place uh, uh point Addis, which is not too far from me just near near torquay there and of course yeah. you can head all the way down to cape otway as well yeah just uh, yeah. an awesome spot too. So yeah. look, people are screaming at their monitors and screaming at their phones. Cam, they want they? to know. That's a normal thing for our episodes, though, isn't it? Correct. They want to know yeah. how do I shoot an aurora? They, re- they I mean, yeah. we get asked. I get asked this a lot. Like, how do I do this? I've got a good camera, yeah. But and and it's not easy. It's not something that you can practice a lot either because no, no. of the scarcity of aurora. Unless yeah. you are really into your uh, astrophotography and shooting, you know, uh, things like um, the the what is it the celestial core and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Is that what it's called? The celestial core. Galact- what do they call oh, that? The, the galactic the, core. The galactic That's core. It. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. That this is the thing. Um, and I was just saying off air to you, I just had a, a customer ring me about doing an Aurora workshop down in Tassie. And it's just really, it, firstly, it's really hard to sort of set up a workshop like that because they are so sporadic. But how do you shoot them would be the probably next common question that you get. Um, so to, to shoot a, an Aurora, I actually find them a little bit easier to do than, than maybe what people think. Um, unlike shooting sunsets or sunrises where you've got lots of you know, highlights and shadows to work with. The aurora is really just shooting the sky. And if you're happy to silhouette your foregrounds out, you know, it's a fairly easy process. So the first thing you need, without a doubt, is a tripod. So if you don't have a tripod already for your landscape photography, then you need a tripod to do aurora shots because most of these exposure times are going to be anywhere from 5, 10, 15, up to 30 seconds long. So you're going to have a long exposure time where you need that camera to be super duper still. Um, you need to shoot in manual mode. So, you know, if you shoot normally in aperture priority or if you shoot in shutter priority or, you know, program mode, you need to switch your camera into manual mode in the M. And what you need to do is manually dial in the shutter speed, the aperture and your ISO. And then the other one, which is the probably the, the trickiest part of shooting auroras is focusing. So in the dark, it's really hard to focus on things. It's really hard to focus on stars. Your, your camera autofocus won't pick up a tiny little dot in the sky to focus on. So most cases, you need to go into your manual focus mode as well and set your lens to infinity, which is what we spoke about last episode, about how do you find infinity on your camera? Well, we well, that was last episode, wasn't it? Yeah. Last one or the one before, yeah. One before, one of them. I yes. sort of lose track. Yeah, yeah. So one of the episodes, recent episodes, we spoke about that. Um, so the easiest way I find, I almost have like a base setting that I work on. So regardless of where I am, I'm like, let's chuck this base setting in, let's do a test shot. And then from there, it's real easy just to see where you want to go. So for everyone listening who wants to take notes, my base settings for, for Aurora's or Astro, they're fairly similar. I start at ISO 1600. So I dial my ISO into 1600. I use a fast lens, which is generally what they would call a, a, an aperture that goes wide open. Uh, so something like 2.8. So I, I open my aperture up to its widest uh, hole. I, the, the, the wider, the better. So 2.8. And then I set on 15 seconds. So ISO 1600, F2.8, 15 seconds. And then I manual focus to infinity. And then I use my self timer and the, the camera to press the button. I let it count down for 10 seconds. And then it takes a shot for 15 seconds. I then get a, a, a shot on the back of my camera where I can easily just look at it and go, well, that's way too dark or it's way too bright. Now, there's a couple of tricks in regards to shooting stars and auroras as to if it is too dark or too bright, which part of that exposure triangle do you adjust? So normally you won't touch the aperture because the aperture needs to be wide open. So you can cancel that bit of the triangle out. Uh, and then you've either got the ISO or your shutter time to play with. So one thing that people sometimes make a mistake with if it's too dark, they go, well, I need to make it longer to get more light in the lens. And they do like 30 seconds or a minute, but that's when you start getting star trails 
which if that's what you're trying to uh, achieve, then fine. But uh, for the actual aurora beams and things like that, it doesn't really matter what the time is, but the stars will start to trail. So I generally play around with my ISO. So I leave it about 15 seconds and I might double my ISO to 3,200 or 6,400, depending. But generally I don't go any higher than 3,200 and maybe 20 seconds. Um, so that uh, that's in a nutshell how I generally set up for all my Astro and all my Aurora shots is that base setting, point it in the sky, get a reading, and then adjust from there. So which you know, brings us always back around to the conversation of how good is digital because you can see... Yeah. immediately you get feedback immediately on the changes that you make yeah uh, and that first test shot is always so important so yeah. Yeah. you know that that gives you your baseline and then it's like okay am, am i exposed enough am i not exposed enough yeah um i can tell you now folks this is from personal experience from 18 months ago when i shot my first aurora there you really got, you, is you got you got excited there really is <laughs> nothing quite like when mm. that image appears on your screen and you can see the color and yeah. you can see simply you, know, you can see what cam's got over his shoulders there mm. um which and they're not all like that folks so you know we that was an absolute blinder but there, there is really something about being able to um to um uncover all that and and what's the word i'm looking for to produce all that color for it to all to reveal that yeah. color yeah uh, in the sky and now um a lot of people will and particularly non-photographers will ask well, you know, is that what I can see? Well, no, it's mm. not. Yeah. Okay. And this is this is where sometimes photographers get sort of, oh, you're cheating. Oh, you know, I couldn't, the aurora didn't look like that. Well, it, it is there. It's just that you're using longer exposure times to reveal that light that is actually there. Yeah. There's no, this is, you know, photography, painting with light is exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. Now, writing with light, if you want to be precise about it. And, but at the end of the day, if that color's not there, you, your sense is not going to pick it up no matter what you do, it has to be there for you to be able to see it. So although some auroras uh, are, like you mentioned, the one the other night was was bright enough to see with the naked eye, not all of them are like that. And in fact, the first one I shot definitely wasn't. I was tipped off that there was one there, but it took forever for my eyes to adjust to even yeah. just see it a little bit. Yeah. And they did. I did see it ever so faintly in the sky. But then when I did a 25-second exposure of that area of the sky, well, that's mm. where all that came through and you can see that phenomenon for real. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that I, th I, I think, yeah, I, some people get their nose out of joint a bit with the whole color question. Yeah. You know, that's not what you see with the camera and that's, you know, you're making it up or that's fake. But what people need to realize is that the camera sensor at nighttime, especially like during the day, we, our eyes see a thousand more colors than the camera sensor will ever see in light mm. and shade. But at nighttime, that's where the, the sensors really take over um, sort of outdoing what our eyes can do. So even though you, you don't necessarily see the color, you certainly see the light. So you can certainly see that shard over here and all the mm. beams over here. You can certainly see that it, it's a dull color. It's like almost an unsaturated color. Um, but what the camera does, it picks it up and, and sees the color and the light a little bit better than what we do. So when we edit these, um, honestly, they're out of camera, they're, you know, the only thing you need to change is really a bit of contrast. Um, and the other thing people change a bit is color temperature of the file to either make your sky a bit like deep blue space or more orangey space. So people have a preference to that, but it's definitely there when you see it. Um, and when you're there long enough, like the other night, I was out for what, four hours in the dark and you know, no light pollution whatsoever. And by that time, by the time I was packing it ready to go, it was green. Like it was as green as this over here. Yeah. And you could see it as clear as day that it was there. So I think a lot of people go, oh, but, you know, you're not seeing it. You know, you don't really see it in real life. They they might be taking a, a five-minute glimpse of something where there's light pollution around and, you know, it's not really seeing what, what people think they're going to see. But it's definitely there. And as your eyes adjust, it gets better and better and better. Um, to the point, like I said, this video that we'll hopefully show here later, you can see it pulsing on the screen. It's green and it's mm. pulsing. It's like it's moving. It's a whole dance that's going on. So, Which is pretty um, amazing. It's amazing. And I think that's why people go and see it because, you know, we're all, we're all so, you know, intrigued by space and what's out there and are we alone and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And this kind of phenomenon that that happens, it's really quite cool to see. So, um, and it's, it's really funny. Like you'll be out in the middle of nowhere in the middle of Tassie at God forsaken hours and there'd be traffic everywhere. People are out driving around <laughs> looking for it and stuff like that. So it is really yeah. cool, but yeah. Um, but it, it is great to see. And, 
um, for the next couple of years, I think it's going to ramp up. So those base settings that I had, even if you don't have an Aurora, go and try those base settings out to do stars or the Milky Way. So the Milky Way, the core, the galactic core is going to rise back up and, and, and that, has a, that has a season as well where it works. So once we start getting that galactic core up, you can go out and do Milky Way shots. Um, try to do it on a night that doesn't have any moon. Uh, the less moon, the better. Although the other night here, we had half a moon here uh, and it was still you know, well overpowering the moon. So yeah, go I was going to actually ask that question, whether the moon phases mm. make a difference to your Aurora shots. Yeah, totally. And and what actually helped the other night, like I was out with my friend and we both said, oh, the moon's up and it was setting, like it was on its way down. Um, but it was actually just giving a really beautiful soft light on all the foreground that we were shooting, which the camera was picking up. So on some of the shots I got of these mountains, I've got actually fairly clear uh, light on the forests in the foreground and it actually makes it look pretty cool so but yeah go out and try it um like i said you need a tripod try those base settings and i'm telling you now most people will get hooked the hardest thing is the focusing um so what i would suggest people do is really get used to their camera in the daylight and how to make those settings change and then how to find the infinity focus even if you mark it with a bit of tape on your lens so you know that's where it's going to line up at night time and if you do go out with other people, don't get your torch out and shine it around everyone else when they're there. Because <laughs> that's I, I, it doesn't worry me because you, you're there for hours, but some people get their knickers in a knot if people are trying to figure out their camera with a light on uh, and you're they're ruining your shots or, or flaring into your shots. But yeah. you're creating light pollution. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing to watch. And the other night was big. Um and I've suggested they're going to get more frequently. Um, one of the questions people are going to ask is how do I know when they're there or how do I yes. know when they're going to happen? Yeah, that was my um, next point. Next point. Um, so there is a few apps you can look at. So there's like the Aurora uh, Aurora, Aurora Alerts. Um, the Bureau of Meteorology have a Aurora page as well. Um, but there's a few things on there. So if you get online or on your app store and have a look at the Aurora Alerts, there's a few there. And what, there's a bit of there's obviously a lot of science behind it how it all works you know there's different wind speeds there's different directions that the the um the flares of the sun hit the earth there's all these different things that happen so even though there might be a massive aurora going on if the solar winds are going the wrong way it'll be over the bottom of south america and not over the, the bottom of tasmania so it all depends everything's got to line up a bit yeah yeah um so yeah it's um it's a big topic but I would encourage people to get on to the Aurora Australis Tasmania page, Facebook page. There's about 170,000 members there. So don't, <laughs> you, don't, don't worry, you won't be alone. Um, and they've got a lot of pinned posts or featured posts that have a lot of information about how to see it, when to see it and stuff. Like I think that. I mentioned this last time we talked Auroras, which is a good you know, 60 episodes ago. Um, do we get a bit of a heads up from our good friends in New Zealand? New Zealand, we do. Um, mm. So, yes, um, what I did, as I said earlier, I used to go out all times of night and be up all stupid hours and go to work the next day with my eyes hanging out. What I learned to do was sit on the couch and then watch the Aurora pages in New Zealand. Yeah because they're two hours behind or two hours ahead of us. And yeah. if it started going off in New Zealand and people were putting shots from the back of their camera on that group, I'd pack my bags and go out. If it yeah. wasn't happening, I'd stay home. And that tessellated pavement one I've got, which um, is quite a popular photo these days down here, that was purely me sitting on the couch at about 10 o'clock at night. And Lisa actually said, oh, look, the Aurora pages have shown a lot of shots from New Zealand. <clears throat> and I went, Giddy up, I'm out of here. I'm going to See get out. This. I'm doing this. And I went out. So, yeah, you, you can not cheat, but you can be a bit more pre-prepared. Um, so, yeah, I, it's, yeah. And I think the other thing that's important with the Auroras is trying to, during the daylight, trying to actually find locations that might work. So yeah. don't go don't go and try and scout locations at nighttime because you can't see anything. Um, but if you see a cool old gnarly tree or a dam or a really cool uh, cliff face or a river or whatever it might be, a bridge or whatever. Um, mark it on your little Google Maps and go, right, that could be a good aurora. And, of course, you need to be facing south. So Correct. don't be facing north because you won't see the aurora. <laughs> no. see yeah, so, yeah, but it is cool. Awesome. All very good tips. I think I might uh, use a few of those tips myself. Good work. Mm. Well, I'm hoping, I'm hoping on our, our overland track trip mm. we get an aurora. Wouldn't that be cool? It would be pretty cool. I, I actually had 
I did a trip once with a good friend of mine, Felicity, and we camped the first night Waterfall Valley and we were knackered, like just totally knackered. And I woke up in the morning to my little GPS thing with about 20 messages on it saying, this is the biggest Aurora we've had in years. Get out. If you're, if you're on the track, get out. And we had probably the best vantage point of the mm. whole trip at that camp. And we slept, and you slept right through it. Yep. 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 So when I got off the track, everyone's like, oh, you must show us these Aurora shots you got. I'm like, hmm. Next I reckon question. we could do uh, a whole episode on the greatest shot I've never taken. Oh yeah, um, definitely. Because <laughs> I've got quite a few stories that would that fit that bill for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. Awesome. So that's Aurora chat, folks. If you've got any questions, shoot them to us below, hmm. or you could hit us up on our brand new website, Cameron. Uh, what? Are we got uh, a website what now? Um, yeah, this get is it. news, isn't it? We've get, uh, we've, get out of town. Uh, when I say we, he built it, but you know we. We sort of knew that we wanted to do it for quite some time. What what what, what input did you have into this? Uh, I, I said we needed one. Mm. Yeah, that, that's, that's true. You started the ball rolling. Basically, oh. folks, what it is, it's sort of like a landing page for everything down south photo show. So instead of having to leave a comment below or you know try and find a workshop somewhere, it's all there. So you can you can head over to dsps.com.au. Did I get that right, Cam? You did. Down South Photo Show, dsps.com.au. Um, dsps.com.au. Yeah, it's got uh, it's got everything. Workshops, it's got all the episodes. Uh, if you want to buy some merchandise that we're going to put up there as well. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. It's just it's just a landing page that it, and you can send us questions. Uh, you can contact us through the page. Um, it sort of sort of got to a point where we think this is going to be beneficial for people, and and this website like like this show will hopefully expand as well and we'll add some things in there and we might share our latest shots so instead of us saying hey have a look at our background here we can mm. put it on the website on the front page there and, and you can have a look at each week and not a silly idea and also no. um you... this is the most important part isn't it i think what's what that you're gonna say. i think no, gonna... oh. no I, I was off track but um ah, damn it. <laughs> what i was going to say was that uh last year you uh avid listeners may remember that we ran a couple of competitions um we did so they will be featured on the website as well when we run another one which yep. could happen at the drop of a hat knowing us yes yes <laughs> um the one thing i was going to put on there there is a really very 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 important section of this oh website. yes there is and i know what you're going to say yes, yes it's absolutely. probably it's probably more important than the episodes more important than the workshops more important yeah. than contacting us but there yeah. is a section that says buy us a beer so, you know, there is some, some people would like to support people and, you know, we put this show on free of charge every week and we, we put a fair bit of effort into it. <laughs> we love doing it. But uh, if you would like to support us uh, and show your support, there is a little section on there that says that you can buy us a beer. And all it is is a small donation via PayPal and literally it's going to buy us beer. So, and if you do buy us a beer, we'll give you a great shout out on the show. Absolutely. Um, and, and yeah, so it's a bit of fun, but if, you know, we'll see... But the thing that could happen though is we could get absolutely shit faced every week because people, people <laughs> it's, buy. It's, it's buy us a beer, not feed us a beer. Like we oh, don't right, have yeah. to, you know. And, and what I'll do is I'll have a little <laughs> scrolling list of anyone who's bought us a beer will appear on the show. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. And, uh, Can you do that as well? Well, I'll gonna steal, a... I'm going to steal that idea directly off camping with Steve. If anyone oh, knows what I'm talking about, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Camping with Steve is brilliant. How did uh, you get so uh, technically minded? I know it's all thanks to the podcast. I can yeah. do stuff. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's incredible what you can do on the computers now, on the computers and the YouTubes. Um, on the YouTube. Yeah, but uh, go check it out. Uh, yeah, we're pretty excited to have a website. It's good. Absolutely, we are. Um, we also wanted to talk a little bit tonight about um, where we take photos and yeah. locations of where we take photos. Um, it's it's a it's an interesting topic insofar as do we want to tell people where we take these photos um, yeah. and should people be looking for their own locations? Uh, it's a bit of a, nah, I don't know. It's interesting for me. I mean, most of the locations where I shoot, well, particularly 85% of my stuff shot here on the Ballerine Peninsula, there ain't mm. no secrets here, folks. Everyone knows mm. all the spots where you go here, but when you get out to maybe more ro remote locations or mm. more sort of uh, lesser heralded locations, um, should we be, telling people exactly where to go <laughs> and yeah. I'd, I'd like to <laughs> should be <laughs> that's right um like and and you know the exact time of day that yeah. we shot it and yeah you know, or or is that just encouraging this whole philosophy of cookie cutter like i uh, seen one seen them all instagram mm. mentality uh yeah. it's, it's an interesting topic and, and you you were telling me that um 
uh, friend of the show and definitely avid listener, Nick Page. He's been a listener to this thing. Um, he he put a um, uh, was it a Twitter post today about it? Or uh, he put up he put up a Facebook post that was yep. shared to, that was actually shared to me today with someone asking me, "Hey, what do you think about this?" And yep. uh, pretty much in a nutshell, his his post was, "You know what? I'm not I'm not your GPS map." I'm not going to tell you everywhere I go and take photos because so I think there's like a bit of a double double edge to it. So one, you know, people find these amazing locations for pho- photographs around their local area where they might be. And as soon as you put it on online somewhere, people are like, where's that? I want to go there. Where's that? Where's this? So, you know, there's a hell of a lot of effort in scouting and, you know, that's part of the game, scouting and going into all these amazing spots. And on the flip side of that, and I know this is quite prominent down in Tassie as well, is that, as soon as you tell someone where this really nice spot is, it just gets trampled. Like it yep. just gets smashed with people. And, you know, there's a lot of very, very, very sensitive vegetation down here and, and, and habitats. And if you go, hey, I've got this amazing shot at the back of Cradle Mountain and it's up this path and you've got to go, you know, walk through this button grass plane and climb up this and, you know, jump over this wombat hole and all this kind of stuff, you know, people are going to get in there and it's going to ruin things. So I think it's a really important uh, discussion to have. And, I don't know. Like, I think I think you're right with what you're saying as well. Like, you know, there's some places you, you know people just know where it is. Yeah. You know, there's you know you know where you know Point Lonsdale Lighthouse is, or you know yeah. where you know you know Cradle Mountain is down here. But I think if people have put a lot of effort into finding some really unique locations and spots, um, they should probably think a bit differently about maybe letting that out to the world. That hey, this is this really cool spot I went. It's funny, isn't it? Why why can't why can't people particularly photographers why can't they just go that's a great photo Mm. i don't have to go and shoot it now yeah Uh, for me it just seems a bit weird that although yes you can use a photo of inspirate i I would much rather ask someone like nick page what settings they used rather Mm. than where it was taken so that when i'm at a location similar or faced with a similar shot you know i'll have a little heads up on how to shoot i mean I'd like to think I wouldn't have to ask how to how to how to shoot it, but yeah, for the, you know, the amateurs out there, um, yep. you know, I'd much be. I, I love it when um, guys like Photo Tripper, for example, when they're showing their uh, YouTube channel, they'll always have the settings that they shot the, yep. the image on, probably because that's what they get asked all the time. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, it's you know. yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I think I think this goes back to the thing that we've discussed quite a lot on this show is you know that endorphin hit people getting a, a buzz out of getting that attention for putting that photo up. And again, yeah. everyone knows my standing and your standing on this and how it works and how we'd rather, you know, it shouldn't be about getting a, a five second buzz. It should be about the whole process and enjoying the yeah. photography as we do. But I think there's a little bit of that involved as well, that people go, geez, that's a great shot that Nick Page took. If I go there and take the same shot and get a really nice shot, people are going to tick yeah. me off and think I'm special. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's, again, that's the wrong way to go about it. I think, I that's pro- it's probably one of the things I love most about landscape photography is actually the thrill of the scout. Yeah, so, you that, know, that's I, exactly I, right. The thrill yeah. of the chase. There's nothing. Yeah, because I like I, you know, I'm confident to say that I can take a photo and know the settings and how to do it all. Yeah. But um, especially down here in Tassie, because there's so many people come down here for photos. Um, just having that um, ability to see things a bit differently or or scout a different location or see things. So there's a couple of guys that shoot down here who, to their credit, have created a little bit of a different look on some of the famous spots by shooting, you know, shooting through foliage with wide open apertures. Yeah. So, it, you know, it sort of frames things up with foliage and mountains and stuff like that. So that's a bit different. So I'm, all, I'm always looking for trying to be a bit different. But if you just go to where everyone else is going and copy the same spot and the same shot, uh, I think that gets pretty boring pretty quick. Yeah, and and um, for the amateurs that might be listening, uh, if you've tuned in, thanks for joining us. Um, there is nothing quite like being able to once you once you learn photography and learn the basic settings to capture pretty much any given scene, particularly landscape. There's something really cool about you might be on a hike, for example, and it might be the middle of the day. There's something really cool about walking through an area seeing a composition mm. and just this little light bulb goes off in your head. I know how to shoot that. And I know exactly when I need to be back here to shoot it, to get it how yes. I want it to look. Yes. And it's sort of, it's almost like um, uh, without saying too wanky, it's almost like entering another dimension where you, you, you're you looking from purely a photographic standpoint. Yep. So I'll give you a really good example. So when I used to do the Yamundi markets up in Southeast Queensland on the Sunshine Coast, I had loads of photos of the Noosa Heads National Park. 
Mm. And and I'd have the photos up there and people would say, oh, where's that? And I'd say, well, that's Noosa Heads National Park. And the amount of times people would say, well, I was there yesterday, I didn't see that. Yeah. It's like, well, did you look? Yeah. Or that, yeah. were you looking like a photographer? You know, were, yeah. were you looking to, you know, I mean, I, I see things framed up. I see things within yeah. the frame of my viewfinder all the time. I'm sure you're yeah. the same, Ken, yeah. where you, where you, you know, you'll be walking through a rainforest or something and you'll see a log and a branch and you go, that's, that's a cool composition. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And I, I think, um, I, I actually think that as well as understanding your photography and how to shoot, it's equally important how to look for photos as well. Yeah. Uh, and again, to anyone that's sort of starting off, this is not a deterrent to say, Hey, don't go to Cradle Mountain and take the same shot I want. By all means, knock yourself out and go do those shots. Get the postcard shots because that's great for practicing and it's great to understand how another photographer might have framed up something and stuff like that. But when you start getting better at it, that's when you should start looking to branch away from those real common shots and and try and find your own you know little little locations. But yeah, it, just go, it goes back to you know they say imitation is the best form of flattery, which is great. Um, but really like after a period of time, you really should start be looking to stand on your own two feet and, and try and take those photos. But it all, it all comes back to that, you know, that little bit of a stroke of an ego that, oh, that such and such got a great shot there. I'm going to get the shot and do the same thing. And um, I don't think that's, I don't think that's productive for a photographer. If you want to learn, I think it's great yeah. to understand how they took the photos and yeah, by all means go and take that shot. But if you're taking that shot purely to get, uh, a bit of a, a kick online with likes and stuff like that, then I think you're going to go backwards in your photography because you'll get stuck in this box of where you just yeah. go and do the shots that everyone else does. Well, well to that end as well, if, you, if you're lucky enough to be out there traveling this awesome country and you're or anywhere in the world for that matter, and you're taking photos, start looking for the different spots. Start looking off the beaten path, mm. not only for your photography, but for yourself to, yeah. to explore. You know, as humans, that's what we love to do is explore what's over there. I love mm. I love leading with that line when I run a workshop. I, I or what's over there? Like just you yeah. know, you, people get so hung up on what's right in front of their camera. Well, hang on a minute. Literally just 30 meters away, there's a little ridge line, or there's a little there's a bush, and it's good. Let's go and have a look at that. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and that's where to me, I think um the 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 thrill of the chase as i was saying comes back into it yeah um where you where you find yourself you've uncovered a new uh composition of, of even if it is a hot spot like the 12 apostles or something like that um i actually pride myself on a couple of photos i've done of the 12 apostles that you know weren't diff were, were, were different than people yeah. and, and the comments i got were i've never seen that angle before yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's what i want you know and i think that's like if i could accredit um any success i've had in regards to my photos of tassie i think it's been due to that is that people have gone oh wow that's i've never seen a shot of that before like that or i've never seen it in that condition or you yeah. know so how did you get that how did you get to that spot or so i think yeah if you if you're really if you're if you're maybe past entry level when you're sort of really kicking along and enjoying your photography, the next thing you really should be focusing on is how to see photos that are a bit different and, you know, how to get a different composition, whether or not it's get down lower, get up higher, shoot through foliage or, you know, use a longer lens or whatever it might be, try and be a little bit different. So absolutely um, less, less about, less about copying and more about learning, I think. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Yeah. That's a really cool topic. Um, if the eagle-eyed, eagle-eyed, eagle-eared listeners may hear some rumbling in the background over my audio, we have the Avalon Air Show on this weekend, and oh. they are, as we speak, they are doing training runs straight over the top of my house. I love that. <laughs> I, that's that's something I love going to. Is that when's that on this weekend? This weekend, so it uh, starts yeah. to uh, well as we record, well as this goes to air, it, it, it right. kicks off on Friday night. So Damn it. Uh, that that's that's all happening this weekend. Mm. Um, so you're not Should under we attack. do? Uh, sorry, you're not under attack. <laughs> no, no, it's just no, a, it's okay. just an air show, folks. Uh, we had the roulette. The roulettes went straight down the coast the other day and doing their nice. training and all. yeah. Um, jealous. Tip of the week. Oh, you know how to do the jingo. That's <laughs> good. Really quick. Yes. Uh, don't don't stack your filters, folks. No. Just just don't just do don't it. do it. Just right. moving on. Yeah, people go. What the hell did I mean? Stacking filters. So. Don't screw your filters on front of other filters. So you've got a filter like this one. Don't attach it to another one. You, you've got props. You've actually, yeah. you know how organised are you tonight? 
you know, is so impressive. This, you know, I got this prop because I found it in my car today when I gave it a clean. I'm like, oh, that's where that filter went. <laughs> um, so don't stack them together. And, and the really quick reason to do that is a couple. Of, there's a couple of quick reasons. One, it, it, it introduces more diffraction of light passing through more elements of glass. So you get all weird artifacts coming through. If they're dirty, that makes it even worse. If you've got two bits of dirty glass next to each other, that's just a no-no. And the other one, which is quite... Uh, prominent for coming up in the next few months with winter is that sometimes you can get air or, or condensation between two filters and then you'll get all these foggy lens shots and all that kind of stuff so if you're going to use a circular polarizer take the uv off put the circular on don't stack them together um that's that's the tip don't do it i, I like it mm. sure that's good it's a good tip of the week um quick, quick one Real quick, we and we, we're very conscious of not making this a, uh, a artist formerly known as Olympus show, but um, Cam and I both were made aware uh, this week of a ridiculous deal that we just could not say no to, um, and that was our good friends over at Olympus uh, OM System uh, were selling the uh, the EM1X. Which is a fine I don't have I don't, I don't I don't have a prop. So no, mine's at the shop. Uh, a, a fine camera. Uh, if you are wanting something to shoot, uh, particularly sports and wildlife. Anyway, you could buy the E1 EM1X for two thousand eight hundred dollars, but they would give you a one hundred to four hundred lens as a bonus. Now that is a twenty three twenty four hundred dollar lens that they Free. were basically giving you for nothing. Um, so Cam Crazy. got, I, I think Cam got the 11th last kit in Australia and I got the 10th last kit in Australia. Yes. So, yes. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a pretty good deal. And, it, and for those who might think, well, that's not fair. How come I didn't get told? Well, yeah. we didn't, we didn't have any inside information. With no, this. no, this, no, not at all. This, this was sent out on, uh, OM systems mail list, like everyone yeah. should be, or, you know, if you, yeah. whichever camera brand you should be on. Yep. Um, so yeah, uh, they did a deal where you could get this EM1X, yeah, 2700 ish. Yeah, and, and they would then give with you, free express delivery. <laughs> yeah, and then they'll give you, um, they'll give you that free the 100 to 400 lens. So, yeah, yeah. The question so is they, now if yeah. anyone wants a cheap EM1X, <laughs> check online because yeah. they're, they're coming. <laughs> That's right. Well, the, the thing for me was I never really rated that camera very highly, it kind of defeated a lot of the purposes that you would buy an Olympus for. It's yeah. huge, it's a massive camera, however. Uh, I got my hands on it today. I got mine in the post today, and I put the hundred to four hundred on it, How and I got a little bit excited. It How actually, it yeah, I've got stupid big man hands, so yeah. um, it fits really well. It feels like a um, oh, like a like a the old Canon, yes. the, the old the Nikon five, uh, D five, yeah, D um, five. Yeah. Well, it used to be an F5, but then it became, yeah. yeah. It's got that beautiful big battery grip on the bottom that's permanent, runs to yep. your bubble. Anyway, yeah. as I say, we're not, we're not, it just so happens that that's what we got. Yeah. Um, and I got really excited by the, because effectively it's an 800mm F5 lens or something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's a 200 to 800mm. Yeah. Yeah. 4.3 to 4.5 to 6.3, something like that. So, very, very cool setup. Yeah. Very cool deal. Uh, there's probably still some left. I don't know if they're sold out or actually, uh, no, it's I've, finished on the 28th. It's, did. Yep. Sorry. Bad luck. You all missed out. Yeah. But anyway, we just uh, thought we'd throw that in because uh, it was it was quite interesting to see a company giving away a $2,500 lens. Well, it also says that that EM1X is going to be discontinued very soon. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's a great, it is a great camera. Um, yeah. I, it's, I've, it's, I've used it as a second shoot for weddings and I've taken it yeah. out to do um, all the landscape stuff. So, yeah, it is pretty good. It's all, yeah, built like a tank. It, 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 it's a it's a little bit on the sluggish side. I mean, it'll only shoot 60 frames per second. Yeah, no, it's pretty, pretty <laughs> what boring. What the hell? But this is, not an, this is not an OM show. We, we certainly don't want to promote anything else. So No, no that's right. We're just, yes. we just, just so happens to be that's what we did this week. Deer yeah. cam. Well, we, deer. we got to the deer cam. Yeah, we did. Deer cam. Hey, this before, is from... you go, before you go, yes. did you know that if you wanted to ask a deer cam question, you can go to www.dsps.com.au and lodge your question in there? Absolutely fabulous. dsps.com.au. We are the we are the worst people. We, we should just give up marketing altogether. Like I feel like such a dick when we do marketing. I'd rather Why? Can That's we get what we're like, here for? Can we get like Sally or Lisa to do some like we need a like we need a, like a nice lady voice over the top of us. Hey, I can put my radio voice on. Yeah, it's still not pretty. No, okay, that's <laughs> fine. Uh, dear Cam, which Cam has put in brackets, dear Brens, mm. which is me. Uh, 
This is from number one ticket holder Mel. Yes, Mel. Mel you got a question on Deer on Deer Cam. Yep. Can you please explain pancake lenses? This is the shortest Deer Cam question of all time. Well, he's he's a man of many words, uh, little words, few words, uh, few words, and he doesn't like taking out unlike time us, much, unlike <laughs> us. So uh, my yep. my understanding of a pancake lens is that it's just a small fixed focal length lens that's just not big. That's yeah. So it's it's a lens that's not fat. It's right. a, it's a very thin lens, and mm. the term pancake obviously it's a it's a it's it's not an official camera term or anything. Like that. It just looks like a pancake because it's yep. flat. It's a yep. flat lens that has very few uh, elements inside it. And it's generally speaking a relatively faster aperture lens yep. uh, because it's got few elements. And generally, it's not the widest lens you'll ever find. It's going to be around anywhere from say twenty five mil to fifty mil. That's yep. pretty much sums up what a pancake lens is. It's not an as I say, Mel. It's not an official. Like people don't go looking for a pancake lens for any particular reason other than it's good for street shooting because it's low aperture, it's thin, it's stealthy, uh, it's yeah. unobtrusive. You can almost, on a uh, on some compact cameras, you can almost put in your pocket with a yeah. pancake lens on, even some compact sort of SLR-style cameras. So um, that's so what, what a pancake what... lens is. And you also use them for taking photos of breakfast. Hmm. <laughs> uh, that's terrible. That, yeah. Best I, could do. I apologize everyone if that's a terrible joke um what's the <laughs> what's the benefit of them like just that they're small yeah so that's the size size absolutely um right. uh, so they, they don't play any specific purpose on like taking photos or you know the lens no. how the elements no. of how it's all made up don't no it, it just they just decided hey let's make this super small correct lens. it's it's a design thing it's a design right, feature okay. being a small lens it's easy to carry around relatively lightweight and as i say unobtrusive so yeah can be really yeah. good street shooter particularly if you're traveling os and you want to get you know yeah. shots of people in the street and stuff like that it's it doesn't have the big look of a pro setup right um you know okay. it's, a, it's a it's a classic little point and shoot like a shooting from the hip kind of setup so oh, okay all right yeah Yep. Well, that should, so that, that, should, that, that should satisfy Mel. We'll see. We'll get feedback. You know, we will. He comments on every single Doesn't video he? and N more and now power to him. And now we've got a website where he can buy us a beer. Look out. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I, I like the buy us a beer feature. It's going to be very interesting to see. You know what? Yeah. I spent I spent more time on that section of the website. <laughs> than I did the whole lot of it. So like I've, I've got to nail this bit and exactly. just make sure it's right. So And rightly so. Um yes. Background: We've talked about cams. We're just going to mm. briefly talk about mine. Um, hang on, let me let me make me bigger bigger on the screen. Cam, you don't see when I'm bigger on the screen, but I'm now bigger on the screen. Um, this is Lake Touchywop, folks. So Lake Touchywop is on the edge of the Mallee. It is just near Swan Hill in uh, north western Victoria. Um, Touchywop is. I probably shouldn't be saying it too often, and it's going to get counteract exactly what we we're talking about before in the episode. I don't want many people to go there. Um, it's one of those places that every time I've been there, it's a lay down Mazaire for an awesome sunset. So um, I highly recommend uh, you don't go there. Go to Lake Touchywop. <laughs> stay, stay away. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great spot. It's right on the edge of the Mallee, which is a great segue into uh, talking about our Mallee Murray uh, workshop that we've got coming up in October, Cameron. Why don't we plug the ones in June? Oh, that's right. They're sold out. What a shame. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, our two Ballerine Peninsula ones have now sold out. The June Queen, uh, King's, excuse me, King's, King's birthday long weekend. Yeah, that's Saturday and Sunday are now sold out. Do we have a waiting list, Cam? Can people get on a waiting list for those or? Don't, don't put that out there. That sounds <laughs> no. like more work. It does sound like more work. <laughs> no, we, we don't have a waiting list, mainly because everyone at books comes along. True. So, um, yeah, that that's why it's super important to subscribe to the YouTube's and yes. every, every other social media thing we've got. So um, you do find out when things are happening straight away. So, Absolutely. yeah, but we do have the Murray Mallee workshop, which still has a few places left. Uh, so that's four days, three nights in the in starting in Swan Hill and doing some loops around and heading out every day and shooting some amazing spots. Um, that's a fully inclusive one as well. So you get all your food, all your hotel. We'll even drive you around. We're not buying your grog. You still got to buy us a beer. That's that's still that's non-negotiable. Um, <laughs> but it's fully it's fully inclusive. Brendan and I teach you absolutely everything we can, and that starts on the twelfth of October. So if you jump on the website, there is that you can have a look at that, and it's got the full details on. But 
I'd love PS, to see people. PS. I'd love to see that. Uh, love to see that sell out. That'd be good. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, uh, not least of all because it's my old stomping ground and I know the area very, very well. So you'll get a lot of very cool locations up there. You'll also get some very, very solid tuition mm. over four days. So yeah, uh, good stuff. Jump on, check that'd that one good. out. Awesome. Uh, Cam, what do you got coming up this week? Uh, I am meant to be. I was meant to be going to the southwest for another three-day camp. Uh, but this is getting cut a bit short. So we've got some weather coming in. So on Sunday, I was meant to be flying out for three days, but it looks like we're going to do an overnight camp down there. And uh, I spoke to my beautiful customers today. They are all understanding that they understood that if we fly down, we may not fly out for another week. Uh, funnily enough, none of them had a problem with that. Everyone was happy to be stuck there. So so that's going on, and then uh, a little bit of a break, and then I've got uh, another trip starting up uh, about a week and a half after that. So, cool. yeah. How about you? You're busy, busy, busy. Yeah, so I had intended to actually be at Lake Tyrrell tomorrow night, but that's not going to happen now. I've got too much going on with uh, camera and photo, which is fine. That's all right. We can reschedule that for another – I'll probably just be another couple of weeks and I'll be up there. Uh, but I am on Saturday night doing uh, a hike out of Cape Otway. Uh, in preparation for the overland track, uh, yes. me and friend Jack are going to uh, get to Cape Otway Lighthouse. We're going to hike up to Air River, camp at Air River, and then hike our way back. So nice. about uh, about twenty k round trip. So it shouldn't be overly strenuous. And only one night, so we don't have to carry a heap of gear. But um, quite looking yeah. forward to it. We'll take the cameras. Lots of wildlife at Cape Otway. We've got yeah. koalas. We've got wedge tail eagles. We've got. Uh, there's some penguins down there. We've got the possums. We've got all, you know, kangaroos, wallabies, everything down there. So emus even live down there. So what are they? Emus. emus. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. great. so just going back to our Mally, Mally Murray workshop, that's what you're going to get. Emus. Yeah, we'll try and find your emus. Uh, yeah, yeah well, that, that sounds good. That yep. sounds like yep. it should Looking be nice forward anyway. to it. Should be good. Should be, should be able to, well, first of all, start getting a bit more fitness in these legs of mine, but also uh, get the camera out again. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, can't wait to, to do that and take a few shots. And also acquaint myself with my travelling buddy who uh, I haven't been on a hike with him before. So mm. let's see what happens from here, shall we? Mm. That's one thing you'll, that's one thing I, I like talking about the overland track. Yeah, the, the hundreds of people I've met as I go along that track and everyone rocks up on the first day and they're all bright, fresh, happy. Yeah. You know, yeah. everyone's getting on. Everyone's so happy. You know, nothing could ever upset anyone. And you get to about day three and, you know, someone, you know, someone at camp just doesn't clean up or, you know, someone, you know, they yeah. go get their water. They go fill their water, water bottle up and forget to fill that. Don't offer to do anything. Like these little yeah. tiny things that just build like mm-hmm. a little, start a little seed. And then by the end of it, it's a giant hue and pine. And, <laughs> uh, and people are ready to slice someone up and leave them out there. But uh, okay. look, I'm, I'm sure you and Jack will get on fine. <laughs> Well, hopefully. <laughs> well, you're, not, be, you're not sharing a tent, though, are you? No. It would, uh, I would never do such a thing to anyone else. I yeah, mean, right. just no. Yeah, no no enough. one would want to share a tent with me. Yeah, fair enough. This has been episode 71 of the Down South Photo Show. I hope you've enjoyed it. That's the podcast. Uh, Cam, anything else to add? Uh, I've enjoyed it. That's been good. That's why we will see you for episode 72 next week, possibly. I don't know. We'll find out. Mm. You'll find out as well. You better stay tuned. <laughs> see you guys. Ciao.